Welcome back to Startups, Sparks and Serendipity. It's Max on this side. And before Mike, our co-host, uh, but also Ben Zolden, our guest, joins the show, I wanted to give a bit of introduction to who Ben Zolden is and give a bit of background of what we talked about in the episode. So Ben is the founder of Story Leaders, but also the author or the co-author of uh, the book, What Great Salespeople Do, uh, together with Michael Bosworth, he wrote the book um, to really give a different way of how salespeople can act in the organization and how they can be more human, focus on the emotional connection between them and the customer. And he has had enormous success doing that. He uh, he worked with different companies uh, like Tableau, Salesforce, Oracle, Lightpath, um, and different other ones and really help them to build a more emotional and human connection to sales. And he he does that also by focusing on the storytelling aspect. And we invited him to the show, not just to talk about sales, but about his general view, point of view on what is happening in the world right now and how people and individuals can use that opportunity now to look forward and use it as another gateway to see it as an opportunity to not just change oneself, but also change the surroundings and, and help people in these, let's say, revolutionary times as we have right now. And uh, Ben has outlined different perspectives of how he thinks about the world right now and how people can actually utilize the opportunity right now in a positive way and take risks. And uh, we also cover the way on how stories and how different situations impacted his life in sales situations. So how storytelling and the emotional connection to your customer actually helped him, but also later on his teams to perform better at the end. Um, and he has some very different perspectives on KPIs and results, and he believes more in the human connection of, of selling. And uh, we thought it's very interesting to bring him on to just give his perspective on a lot of these topics that are happening today, but also on sales um, and, and, and teamwork in general uh, so we're gl glad to have him on um, let us know how you find it uh, you can find us all on different channels find ben on linkedin ben zolden but also feel free to reach out to us if you are interested in the episode but also in the implications of the episode so feel free to let us know what you think and uh, enjoy the episode welcome back to startups sparks and serendipity it's Max and Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi there. And we have a guest. Hi, Ben. Nice to meet you and uh, happy to have you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, serendipity. Serendipity. That's what it's about. What do you think about serendipity? We start uh, with the bangers. What do I think? I'm, what does it mean to you? It's, it's such a, you know, everybody's, no. everybody's struggling right now, right? And it's mm -hmm. like... Um, I was talking to a friend and a mentor the other day and she was talking about, she runs a large organization and she was talking about how much anxiety people have and everybody's really constricted and like we're all sheltering and we're taking shelter and, you know, trying to create safe environments. And I'm wondering if like, when I think about serendipity, it's the unknown, it's these magical moments happen. And I'm wondering if it's tougher for people to have those magical moments, but that's the thing that gives us fuel. What it, where did the word serendipity in relation to this conversation, where did that come up for you guys? Yeah, I think partly it was just a very good alliteration and we like to have three S's after another. <laughs> but no, I, I think how we think about this is that we really love startups and everything related to tech and growth and not only growth for companies, but also personal growth. And we think that serendipity plays a huge role in that because you can't plan out everything. And there's always external variables that influence your life, however um, you, you may want to live it. And it can be positive moments, like this one opportunity for your career or this great lead that comes in. And it can be negative moments, like everyone having to shelter in place, mm -hmm. rises in anxiety and depression, and then also people struggling with their health or their finances. So we think that there's always so much growth that can come out of these external moments. And we like to figure out how to make the most out of these moments right now and maybe find some inspiration and joy out of it and hopefully build some things to either help yourself or help other people. That's basically how we think about it. Yes, that's beautiful. Max, what about you? I think serendipity is probably one of the few moments that, um, or also one of the reasons how we have met um, to come back to that. And it's, uh, it's, it's um, one way of, not just meeting different people, but also getting different perspectives. And I think um, also when we think about the audience, 
everybody is interested uh, to learn something new, but also everybody is quite curious to be disagreed or to at least learn something where maybe before that they had a different opinion. And I think um, when Kelly Wright, when I remember that uh, from Tableau, she was a sales leader at Tableau and she said that we should talk. Um, this was more or less a serendipitous moment because I was just watching a webinar and I reached out to her and that's kind of how she brought us together. And it was more or less based on randomness and on the serendipitous moment that brings people together to talk about something they might share in common, but maybe they also disagree on certain topics, but that brings fuel to other people. And I think that's uh, what serendipity means for me. And we have made a good example of kind of bringing us together and we are quite excited to have you on. And uh, that's, I think, a good step. <laughs> Yeah, don't you feel like we could create ser these serendipitous um, these moments, but we have to allow space for that for those to happen? We can we can. You know, I don't want to sound too woo woo. I am from California, but like what we can manifest and create, and how we if we, if we give space and allow these things to happen. So here's one for me. So on Netflix, there's a documentary. It's called My Octopus Teacher. Have you guys seen it? <laughs> I've I heard about it. I've seen the memes, but I haven't seen the, the actual documentary. Yeah, oh, it'll, it blew my mind. But I related to the guy, so he's this filmmaker, and he's in South Africa. But he lives this kind of rote life. He's, you know, he has a kid, but he's just kind of like, I don't, it, he doesn't seem to be like this really family-oriented connection guy. And he's, and he's doing these documentaries, and like early on he was um, – he was filming like these tribes in, 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 uh, in, in Africa and how they would live. But you got the sense that he was like, he wasn't living that way. He wasn't connected with people, community, culture, nature. And uh, anyways, time goes on and he, he moves to his, his hometown and it's on the coast. And he was, he was always into the ocean. So he starts to, you know, without any goal in mind, he spends time in the ocean and, and, he, and it, it, it starts this journey where he begins to like wander, like no agenda, but he begins to wander. And in this moment, as you can imagine, he comes across this octopus and he becomes fascinated with this octopus, right? But as he's like observing the octopus, he's still in this kind of like uh, interrogative mode where he like pokes and prods at it and he sets up a camera on the ocean floor and it's pretty intrusive and he's and you can see and the octopus kind of scurries away and then the octopus pushes his camera away but he's right and then in a moment he kind of lets go and i think it happens when he's looking at the octopus if you guys can imagine right now you know octopus have those eyes that are like beaming and they're on the sides up here and he like looks into the eye of this octopus and he sees the octopus looking at him but he sees himself in the octopus and it almost slows him down and he like takes a step back and this happens over like a series of like days because every day is going into the ocean and he and he's and he kind of slows down and he just allows for space to happen and as he's observing this octopus now he starts to like he has to be vulnerable he has to allow him to be seen by the octopus so he has to just like sit there, imagine, right? It's like if you had a cat, you can't chase the cat. As you chase the cat, the cat runs away. Sometimes you have to sit there and then the cat will come to you. You guys know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or in, in a lot of relationships, it's just a metaphor. But what he slowly starts to do is just slowly, incrementally, through a lot of patience, through his own vulnerability and allowing it to happen, he's building trust with this octopus. And it may sound crazy if you haven't seen this documentary, but you see it happening. And slowly the octopus kind of comes out, puts a tentacle out and feels him. And he doesn't like move, he just sits, he allows it. And then a second tentacle, and then kind of, you know, kind of, it'd be like, let me, t if I was a blind person, let me touch you to feel you, right? And he incrementally over like several days, maybe it's weeks, builds trust with the octopus. But once he builds trust with the octopus, the octopus takes him everywhere he wanted to go in life, teaches him about the ocean, creates a connection. And it reminds me of like, kind of what we don't do. We don't create those moments and allow the vulnerability and the patience to allow things to happen. And in the most serendipity, dipitous way this octopus an octopus you guys teaches him everything about life connection to community connection to nature and at the end like connection to 
his family and the connection to his son. That's serendipitous. Like teaches him everything about life. It's an octopus. What if I was to say, Mike, Matt, you're going to learn about life through an octopus. You'll probably call it crazy because we have all these boundaries and agendas and structures and systems. Hmm. And it's as if we don't allow these moments, unexpected magical moments to happen. I think we, and so I learned about my life through watching the documentary, all the times in my life where there's so much rigidity, structure, process, KPIs, metrics, things we are supposed to do, fighting to achieve something, because I do this in order to get to this, that we don't allow any space for those serendipitous moments to happen. Maybe, guys, we're, we're craving that more than ever. Hmm. Maybe like, so I was watching on the news the other day. So I live in California. So I, you know, it's a pretty crazy news cycle right now with the elections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of it, yep. Okay, so yeah. And I mean, so as I was watching, there is this expose on like why we're, we're all wearing masks and we're like fed up and we're like everybody's hitting the breaking point and they were interviewing these people and all of these people just wanted to like get back to normal, get back to normal, get back to normal. And I was watching it going, fuck that. Why are we all trying to get back to normal? What's normal? We suck. <laughs> the world is, set, is giving us a serendipitous moment if we accept it, which is you're punished. You're wearing a mask and deal with it until you could do better as a species. Humans, you suck. Corporations, you suck. But if you if you think about that, like first of all, I know what to watch next on Netflix. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, second of all, like one of the things that's on a lot of people's mind right now, and it's actually following up very nicely with what you just said. On the one side, you see lots of people struggling, and I think we are in a comparatively good situation compared to many other people who maybe have like financial strains and are struggling from that. And everyone wants it to end, but it only ends if society as a whole behaves, right? And if the people at the top give you the right guidelines. But then there's a lot of confusion basically everywhere and you, you cannot influence it. The problem is just too big for you as a person to solve it on your own. So how, how are you thinking about this specific situation right now and maybe creating space for positive moments and actually embracing it and making the best out of it while everything around you is falling apart. I think that's what it's on a lot of people's mind, right? How do I cope with it and how do I make the best out of it? Do you have any advice on that? Well, Mike, do you feel like before the pandemic, we as a culture, and that culture could be defined as we in this country, we in this industry, we in this company, but just culturally, that we were good at that in the past. Were we ever, were we good at that? I mean, we were better than we are right now, but I, I think there's a lot of room for just complete improvement. And this is also one of our focus areas here. How do we bring ourselves, companies and society forwards? But I just think that right now we're definitely in a worse state than we were before. And we just need to focus on how we rebuild that. And maybe rebuilding it doesn't mean getting back to the same state, but getting back to a better state. That's what we want to achieve, right? Yeah, I was talking to a friend a little bit ago, and she has a, uh, she has a toddler. So my girls are older. They're 20 and 18. And we were talking about our toddler who's, I don't know, maybe three years old. And I kept saying to myself, and this was early on, maybe it was kind of in the height of the pandemic when we're all trying to adjust and figure it out and, and, and make shifts. And, and I found myself saying to her, can't wait till we get back to, you know, get back to normal, get back to normal. And as you guys know, you know, my work, my vocation is based on gathering people together and we work through stuff like in deep immersions, work through some really important questions like how culturally do we operate together? How do we create real teamwork? How do we reach out if we are representing a purpose, a cause, and we're in a company? How do we get the world to sign up for what we're trying to like move ahead in the world? That's my business. So my business, I got taken away from me. Ken, you know, being in the gathering of people business is not the best deal these days. Mm. I had to like really think through how am I going to do what I do differently? 
and I was really stressed and I was really anxious. And, and like, like there's nights where I was like in a fetal position, really worried. And, and uh, so I'm talking to my friend and I'm kind of venting and I'm like, I, I, when are we going to get back to the way things were? And she was like, you know something I was, it reminds me as she was listening to me, she goes, it reminds me of when I was pregnant. And when I was pregnant, all I ever said to people was, I can't wait to get back to the way I was, my body, I could, you know, my lifestyle, I could go off and do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, I go have a glass of wine whenever I wanted, I, I don't feel crappy, I can't wait to, she kept saying the same thing, I can't wait to get back to the way life was. And then she told me she was telling that to a friend of hers who already has children, and this woman like reprimands her and goes like, Leslie, why would you ever wanna go back to the way things were? Number one, you're not, because once you have kids, like they'll never go back to the way things were. And then once you're a parent and you realize the magic of that life on the other side, you would never want to go back to this because it's so magical and special over here as a parent. Why would you ever want to go back to pre-parenting? And what she described for me was like her pregnancy was this transitionary period where the world saying, get ready for this. A, it's harder. You're not going to sleep for a while. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to give more than you ever gave, but it's going to be so much more special on the other end. And I think about that question you just asked of like, we're going almost like a pregnancy. This is really hard. We're nauseous. We're sick. We can't do what we want, but we are getting ready for something on the other end. I feel like the question of like going back to the way things were, the reason I thought that was important is this, and I'm just going to process some clunky thoughts if that's okay with you guys. Absolutely. Go ahead. Your audience doesn't know who I am. So here's who I am. In this interesting way, as I was playing back, you know, that documentary, My Octopus Teacher, and the, the filmmaker who's the central character in it, I feel a lot like I resonate with that guy. Because my life comes from a lot of going through these me mechanics or a race to get to here. Everything's a race to get promoted, to get through a sale, to get through, you know, career pathing. To always get to the next thing and in the world i signed up for that i thought maybe in the world of business but it, it predates business it's how we get through high school then college mm -hmm. then sports you know, we live by the scoreboard and if we look at like the the you know it shows up so easily it's like the easiest place to understand this is in our business culture right in our business culture it's like a race to the next thing and everything's a means to that ends and it shows up it's easy to understand it how we measure our business Everything's measurable. Everything has a KPI and it all works towards profits. So if it's profits, it makes sense that we're going to say, here are the systems, the processes to get to here. And everything becomes this mechanized, weaponized system of steps. And then we become roboticized. And then it shows up in like morale's low. People are not all in. People feel like they're a cog in the wheel. They don't feel like they're, like they're impassioned. I know this because I get to talk to thousands of, you know this, Max, you've podcasted a bunch of people. If you're not talking about leaders and entrepreneurs, mm. like we don't have to serve them. Let's serve the people that serve them. Mm -hmm. And you get to know people. They're like, yeah, my boss is an asshole. Yeah. I'm a means to their ends. Yeah. I have to do this for the company. Mm -hmm. I love Fridays, but I hate Mondays. <laughs> like these things are real guys. Uh, it's true. Yeah. And I feel like that was my life living like, the character in that documentary, mm. always going through stuff, disconnected, just, just disconnected. And I found some of my serendipitous moments. It wasn't through an octopus, but it was one just like my life crumbled after, after I was just, it crumbled inside. On the outside, it looked fine. But as I was, you know, growing up in Silicon Valley, and especially for me in the tech world, and as I got promoted, a lot of those steps became hollow and shallow. They weren't fulfilling me. It was like mm. getting hits of, of this, and then after a while, you want more and more and more. It's just kind of like, what is this all about? What is all? And I didn't have a lot of meaning. I had this like dissonance with my own career. And my serendipitous moments happened when I just kind of threw my arms up and I just said, you know something? There's people I admire in the world that are just putting their handprints on the world, but they're not operating from that handbook or the playbook. They're operating from a different place. Hmm. And there's a very few people that seem to have that magic. And I just remember about you know, a dozen years ago, going like, man, what is it all about? And in doing that, I guess one would say I had a midlife crisis in my late thirties, which is young to have a midlife crisis, but it was more of just like, just like this, this like stop with all those, you know, all the race, 
and allow the space for magic. And once I started to realize that people were doing something different, they were allowing moments to happen. They were having connections with people. They were affecting people. People left these moments with them differently. That's a little bit about my life. And, and by the way, that culminated in this business that I do. And I wrote this book about it because I wanted to, you know, my book is really an expose on like how we could just operate without the, the handbook. And people mm-hmm. could find fulfillment with themselves, people around them, and um, something that matters, something that's bigger than them. And we, we operate from that place. But I feel now that my journey is just a, is just a reflection on almost an indictment on the systems we've all signed up for. And we've created this idea, this flawed idea about business that's a process and systems and pledge allegiance to profits and all these things. That's getting in the way of people having serendipitous moments. Like people having real moments with each other. We're not honoring this. We're not. Very, I I find that very fascinating. uh, ben, because I talked to, uh, to, to a friend of mine yesterday and we talked about uh, curiosity and what that actually means. And uh, he is actually researching curiosity and there's not much, re- not, not, not much uh, research about it. So he's kind of one of the first one that digs deeper and deeper. And one thing that he found out was that there's, when you think about curiosity, there's always something missing uh, for, for the person to be curious about. For example, when you watch a Netflix series, you always watch it until the end because, and then there's like an information stop and you want to fill in that information gap. And that's the reason why you watch the next episode because there's always something missing. And um, he mentioned, especially in the business context, that a lot of people, especially leaders, they put a plan on their employees and they expect the employees to execute on that plan. But what happens is that because you give them the whole plan and you actually outline every single step, you lose the whole curiosity for the employees because there's no information gap anymore. The whole information gap is lost because you already give them the full-fledged plan that helps them to apparently achieve their goals. And instead, he recommends to give people an outline of where it can go and people need to be curious in order to figure out what the information gap is. So I wondered now when you talk to different business leaders and employees and you've had enormous success doing that. And of course, at the end, it's about results again, where people are very satisfied working with you because they have seen that there's an improvement in results. But the question is, how did you, how did you empower not just the leaders, but also the employees to think about results in a different way and see their kind of personal story to it and see their personal way of of achieving what they want to achieve, but in a more value-driven opportunity. How did you make that happen in organizations that actually want to grow, that want to grow faster and want to achieve their results? Don't you feel that it's this paradoxical thing? Like we become so hyper-focused on results and like the octopus, the, the results elude us. I agree. I agree. That's the reason I'm asking. <laughs> like this pair, and that yet, if we can separate ourselves, or at least not be so dominated by results and outcomes, mm-hmm. that's when outcomes actually happen. It's such a difficult thing for people to wrap their heads around. But I, I, I learned a lesson through a serendipitous moment that I that I can share with you. And it was it was a few years ago. I'm working with Salesforce, and one of the cool things that happened to me when I was working with them was my buddy over there asked me to talk to some of their clients. And it was a way, since I'm an outsider, I could get a pulse on how they're doing. So he would like send an email to, you know, the VP of so-and-so or like the, uh, you know, CIOs, the people they were selling to, he was allowing me to meet them so I can learn and get a pulse on how they were doing. Hmm. So my buddy sends an email to the CIO of LegalZoom. So that's a big, big company. He's a CIO. His name's Tracy. And they spend a lot of money on Salesforce. So big customer. So my buddy sends an email, says, hey, Tracy, meet Ben, like you to get to know each other so Ben can pick your brain. It was that open-ended. There was no agenda, right? So I go into these conversations pretty curious. No agenda. I just want to know, like, hey, how are we doing? We're vendors, we're salespeople, we're whatever we are. How are we doing? That's my aim. We get on the phone with this guy, Tracy. And after we introduce ourselves, Tracy goes, hey, Ben, the first thing I want you to know is I just took down my LinkedIn and my Facebook profiles. I'm like, that's a weird way to start a conversation. (laughs) And the next thing he said, though, like absolutely floored me. He goes, the reason I tell you that is because I hate salespeople. And I could feel him like coming at me with like 
this hostility. And like, I'm thinking to myself, like, first of all, I'm not selling you anything. Like, why are you coming at me? Like normally my, my Achilles heel guys is I have this reactive bone in my body that takes over. It's, I've worked on it my whole life, but it's it, it like, so I started to get defensive. I could feel like my blood raising up and I was like, my head was going to explode. I wanted to lash back at him, but I didn't. So I didn't say anything. But then the next thing he did taught me everything I needed to like, to learn in that moment. He goes, Ben, the reason I tell you that is all you guys do is come in with all your solutions looking for problems. Yeah, all right, of course. Hmm. Like looking for pains, problems, right? And like in an instant, like I had that, my aha moment. I was like, in that moment, I was like, Tracy, you're absolutely right. Let me teach you how I was trained to go about business. Now, for me, it happened to be sales, but if it's not sales, it could be engineering, it could be support, it could be marketing. Doesn't matter, right? Operations. I was like, Tracy, that's exactly how I was trained to go about business. Like the first thing we would do if I was, you know, when I was in my early 20s and I would call on somebody like you is I would, I would first of all, give you some elevator pitch that my marketing department gave me. So some, some form of a script of why we're so good. Then I would quickly turn it around and ask you some questions because we're supposed to be curious, but they don't allow for any space. The questions we're, we're, we're trained to ask, they come from a playbook that are geared, right? Laser focused questions that I know in advance will yield the kind of response I want out of you. Cause we, it's like we're lawyers and we put somebody on trial and we only ask the questions that will back somebody into a corner. So they'll give us a problem. And we don't really listen. We summarize what we hear, but we only summarize what back to, to somebody. Mm. The, the problems that fit and match perfectly to our solutions, right? And then what I would have done, Tracy, is then I would have said, okay, here are the three problems you just told me. Boom, 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 boom. I would have attached my product attributes to line up perfectly with them. And I would create a solution at the end of the conversation. And then I would ask for next steps, but they're next steps that I know follow some sort of pattern that will like take you down a path. So basically I am giving him a tutorial on my sales process and he's laughing at this point, you guys, he's like cracking up and like everything changed in the conversation. He came at me really like aggressively, right? And then he's like laughing with me. And what I started to imagine, guys, as he was laughing, he was kind of going, ah, ah. He was almost going like, he, was ha- he had an aha moment. And the only thing I could imagine, I know he's not here to report this for himself, but is it was as if he felt sorry for me. It was as if he was saying, ah, Ben, I'm sorry. You seem like a nice guy. Why do you follow that? Why did you? I see he had empathy for me at this point. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. a normal human being. But here's the real lesson. Halfway through that conversation, he goes to me, Ben, you know something? You know how we go about this? I'm like, what? He goes, we all go about this. It's so inhumane. He used that word with me. It's Mm. so inhumane. And I was thinking, what makes us human? And then like all this other stuff we do, we don't allow for any of this space to happen. And it's like good people, otherwise good people, we sign up for these systems and like good people in a bad system can be be and behave poorly. We're only as good as the systems. So I feel like, and this goes back, Mike, to something you were talking about earlier, like we're not honoring or pledging our allegiances to things that make us human. We're, we're, we're honoring systems and processes that are geared like to focus on outcomes. And this stuff is the stuff that makes any of us good. So what if we focused our attention over here instead? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's actually a good transition. So maybe first question, like, how did we end up here? And then second question, how can we get out of it? And then maybe also, but get out of it, we we still want results, right? So how can we be in a more humane, maybe also more honest and open world, especially in sales and business, but still get the results that we need to actually move forward? Okay. Well, what do you think? If we say, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about business? Are we talking about our, like, what are we, what's our starting point? Is there, I mean, at least for, for Max and myself, business is a huge part of our life, right? That's, that's where we operate. And we also think that a lot of businesses can solve, like, not all problems of the world, but at least many. 
if, if they are uh, working on it the right way. So I think we could go in a lot of directions right now, but I think my, my first question is then like, let's get the, how do we, how did we get here out of the way? And let's just focus on moving forward because it doesn't really matter too much, right? It's yeah. just about how do we ensure that we still get to results, right? Because you have, you are, you're working in sales or like uh, as have worked in sales. Now it's a bit broader, but it's still about profits to some degree, right? You, you can't leave that out of the equation or the business goes bankrupt. Mm -hmm. But apparently you have a different framework of thinking about it that's more humane and that still leads to some way of progress, right? Did I get that? Is that correct? Well, let's, okay. Let's just shine a light there for a second and then mm -hmm. let's back up and say, how did we get here? But let's okay. just say where we're at right now. I think it's really yeah. important because, so what I just walked you through was my process. I walked Tracy through how I went about life, but that's hard to turn behaviors on and off. Hmm. So those are the same behaviors, whether I like it or not. Like I, I hope I'm, I'm a good father. I hope I'm a good, I'm good in my relationships. I, ho I hope I'm a good son to my mom even, or, you know, to people around me, or, you know, I train people. How do I show up as a trainer? It's hard to turn behaviors on and off. So what's the likelihood that I would take those same behaviors that I was taught, right? And turn those off during the weekend. When I go home, I'm trying to get my daughters to do their homework. Because we become a, we, right? Yeah, we I, I feel that way more than I should. <laughs> as what, as a parent? Or? No, not as a parent, uh, not that far along, but just in my relationships. It's very, it's something that I sometimes struggle with, like separating the way I go about optimizing business relationships or like my process in my business life in general, and then also my private life. For example, like one great example is with my friends who are also in the startup world, we literally send each other calendar events when we want to have a conversation. But yeah. my friends who are not in the business world find that very weird. So I, I'm just using these processes that work well in the business world and then try to use them in the private life as well. And sometimes it works really well and sometimes I should just avoid it and just live life in a different way outside of uh, the business life. Well, so take my, so if you look at, if you just examine for a second, what, it's like, we don't take enough time to actually say, like, let's look at what we do. Like, how many of us, let's look in the mirror and actually break that down. So take what I just walked Tracy through, which is my way of going about trying to affect change when I would call on a buyer in my sales capacity. Mm -hmm. What if I took that same behavior, if I was a single man going to, uh, you know, somewhere where I, I, I saw somebody and I would want to meet them in a single environment. I would walk up to them and say, hi, my name is Ben. Let me tell you how great I am and why I'm better than the competition. And then I'd like to ask you some questions to figure out what your needs are. And then I'll share with you how I'm going to fit those needs. And then we're going to agree on next steps. Hmm. Like, you would, like that's nuts. Yeah, I, like the, I like the analogy. We would never like operate that, that way. Hmm. Yeah. And I had this mentor about, I don't know, it was about, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago, I worked for this guy. His name was John. He was the CEO of this company I worked for. He was the most amazing guy. And he would just operate differently. He was like the kind of, if you guys, if you were to close your eyes for a second and imagine someone in your life and literally do it, close your eyes, like just go into your imagination in your memory banks and think of the person who was like the most influential, inspiring guy. Like no matter what they were doing, you were following them. Like they could get you to do anything. If you're ever stuck, they can unstuck you. And they just had that gift. And they were this incredible leader. Like, and open your eyes, guys. Like, did you think of somebody? Yeah, I, I have someone. Yeah, who, well. who came up, who, and it's probably you come up with them like that, right? Yeah, was hmm. was fairly quick. Max, you, you can you can start. It was uh, it was also a mentor that I that I still have, but I that I that I had kind of three four years ago. Um, former, uh, former very, like very famous executive in, in Europe that also kind of led his way away from kind of being the executive to a more, let's say, um, fulfilled life now organizing different events that are more built around kind of people bringing together and doing sports together and, and talking about stories they might wouldn't have talked about back in their executive life. Yeah. Uh, he has been inspired me and also kind of especially when talking about personal change and, and um, personal optimization topics, he has always been quite reflective and uh, helped a lot. 
so he, he I would point him out. <laughs> Shout out Can to I Jerry. Ask, like, if, you were to, if you were to describe maybe some of the qualities that shape him, some of the attributes, like what words would you use to describe him? If you describe his qualities. I think the biggest part what that they that he especially listens um that's something that i think a lot of people forget uh and what it actually means uh, not just listening to what somebody says but also using um let's say the other like point of view as an understanding um and, and not just put your own reflection on an opinion i think that's something that he has done enormously well that i haven't really seen before okay so as I'm listening to you right now, it's, it's his ability. He creates an understanding. And the way you say, said it almost sounds like he create, fosters an atmosphere where there's mutual. It, it sounded like that's where you were going, like a mutual understanding hmm. whenever he's with people. And, and he listens in a way that most people don't. Right. Agreed. Okay. Um, and I'm sure we could, we could go on and on to describe all the things mm-hmm. about him. Just, mm-hmm. and, and, and Mike, for you? Um, if you did the same exercise, who came up for you and what qualities would you like associate with that person? It was the CEO of the startup that brought me to Silicon Valley from Germany first for an internship like years ago. And he, I, I mean, the trust he put in me was probably the most important thing for me. And that he just treated me as if I was more qualified than I actually thought I was and then I actually delivered which was very exciting so he just brought out the best in me which is pretty cool and I'm striving to do that same with my team so I think that's probably the the biggest part and then the listening part is is very important that Max just said because it's that was also him he he was not I mean he talked right He, he could pitch he could do all of that but most of the time he was just listening and then saying a couple of sentences and either solving the solution or sending you your way to have you solve it on your own. That's basically the, the mm. short description. It's interesting because even in how you described him, it sounded similar to, to Max's. I mean, and like we all know these people. Like I don't think when, you know, I would have never been self, I would have never self-described or just like associated those attributes with myself like in my years growing up in as a, in the business world um but i had this guy my my guy was this guy john he was a ceo of a company too and i worked for the company but i was the process guy and i come from like when i launched into you know you know my corporate business world i associated it with like i, I approach it in a very engineering way because that's because if you follow the handbooks, that's what all the handbooks teach us. You do this, you have, you have these processes, these systems. One process begets this process, begets this. And then as a leader, when you get promoted, it becomes that. Mm. Think about it. And then, so I approached it like everything was logical and rational. And if you did this, you would have these kinds of outcomes. And everything has to be predictable and efficiencies, right? And this guy, John, I worked for, he was like not that guy at all. I think most people would say he doesn't even like look at a spreadsheet. But he was this like beautiful guy that when you're around him, he was like beautiful. Like there would be staff meetings and people would be arguing. And then he would be like the quietest one. He would sit in the corner like this and everybody like marketing would fight with sales, would fight with operation, would fight with finance. And everybody would go until like the tornado would kind of come down. And then he would go, hey guys, that reminds me of something. And he would just like sprinkle fairy dust. And I never knew what he did but it would just feel good afterwards. I was like, okay, I'm with you, John. Anyways, but I was in sales. And my job in this company was to make sure everybody's following that process, which I walked that guy Tracy through. Like, I was like, (laughs) that was my job because that's what you do. That's like sales enablement, that's sales management. You get people to go through this pipeline or funnel. You can mask it with some stupid labels. Like, it's not the sales process, it's the customer journey. It's just like, fuck you. Like, come on. Is that what we're talking about in 2020? That's where we've come, you just change the label? that was my job. And I finally went on a sales call with John. And in the sales call, it was three of us. And it was me, a sales rep and John. And two of us like had prepared before this meeting, like, okay, you do the opening, I'll do the questions, you do the PowerPoint, you know, we divided the world up. And we're going to the sales call and the CIO that we're with, we ask him a question, he's down to like one word answers. It's one of those really tense sales calls. Hmm. It's not like this free flow of information at all. It's like, we ask him a question, 
he barks one word answers and he finally goes like this to me. I don't know what I asked him, but you know, it was, it was question based. He goes, stop asking me so many damn questions and tell me what the hell you guys do. I think he like hit the table. And I was like, whoa. And we've all been on those kinds of customer interactions, right? Mm. Sales, we've all been there. I have nothing to say at this moment, but all of a sudden, John from the corner of the room, sitting in that position, is like, hey, I'll share. And he shares this, the story about how he grew up in the telecommunications industry and all the mistakes they made. He was just like, he was just sharing who he was. It wasn't like this guy telling him how great we were. It was like, we made these mistakes. Here's how we learned from these mistakes. We merged two companies. We totally messed it up. And what really matters to us now is this. Hmm. And he shares this thing. And it was like, you could feel the room go from like tense to like leaning in. And then the CIO who was tense with me goes, hey, that's interesting, John. Here's some of the mistakes we made. And he starts to open up. And then John opens up a little bit more. And then he opens up and it goes business and business and personal, personal. And I have these kids and here are my kids. And it was this really vulnerable, open. It was as if this happened, guys. John went from like, I think about how I approached that meeting. It was, I'm going to start it. And like, you're going to give me answers and we're going to do this. And John just said, hold on, forget the agenda right now. We're human beings and I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first by opening up my kimono and you can see who I am. You can like it or not like it. And then the other guy leaned in and goes, oh, interesting. Now I'll tell you who I am. I'm going to open up and show you who I am. You're going to like it or not. And then John did a little bit more and a little bit more. And they started to like build trust together. And at the end of this meeting, about, I don't know, 45 minutes later, the CIO is basically, what do we have to do to get started? Hmm. I had watched in every way the ideal outcome happen. Guys, that dude signed up. And it was a big deal. It was like this big global, like, you know, services, you know, contract. Multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, if I remember correctly, but that doesn't matter. You know why? Because those two guys connected. And what I realized was John looked at it at a human level of how do we connect first and other things follow. John was not focused on the outcome. He didn't follow the playbook, the prescription. That's the craziest irony hmm. is without being focused on the outcome, he's like, I'm going to get to know you, but I'm going to go first. You're going to get to know me. And oh, by the way, once we know each other, guess what? I'm not that stupid so I can figure stuff out. You're not that stupid so together we'll figure stuff out. And when we figure stuff out, outcomes happen. And I think there's a magical lesson in that, you guys. And and how do you, because I think that's that's very, very interesting because I've, I've also seen different sales teams and of course every, every salesperson has a different way of kind of selling his or her story um, mm -hmm. in regards to the company. And uh, some may be more introvert, some may be more extrovert, some may have a more, let's say, story approach, other may have more fact-based approach. Uh, and of course, there are like different methodologies and stuff that I'm also overwhelmed with when I just see it. And uh, the question is like, when... When, when, people, when salespeople are put into a position to sell, how do you get them away from, let's say, processes that, are, of course, might be linked from the company to a human approach of selling and actually being successful with that? Because I think the hurdle is still quite big. Yes, it is gigantic. And here's why. Because if anybody listening to this, I mean, look, if I was listening to me right now 15 years ago, I would, I would not be able to make the correlation. I would say, who's that crazy dude smoking pot going to the beach every day in LA. <laughs> like, no, this is business. We have to have outcomes because we've been conditioned with the failed idea that that's how you get to outcomes. And here's what I mean by that. So one of the things I miss the most right now mm -hmm. with the pandemic in a weird way is I used to Uber everywhere. And it was my practice because it was like whether I'm in a, somebody else's car for five minutes or 45 minutes, it was a chance to meet a stranger. And the most incredible serendipitous moments would happen there, Mike, because there's no agenda when you're in someone's car and you just get to know them. And if you learn about someone's life, you get their story, there's some kind of magical gift there. That is, that is what you're talking about. There's a moment that can happen. And the one that taught me this was, I, and here's a quick story. I was returning from a trip, a business trip, and it was like a Friday late afternoon and I landed at LAX. And I need to get to my daughter's soccer game. It was like at five o'clock. I landed at like four o'clock, but I needed to hustle because of traffic. And I get into this woman's car and her name's Marianne. 
and she's older. She looks like she's retired. And it's a Toyota Corolla. And there's times where like you get into Uber, you're like, I want the nice Uber, not the small little tiny crammed up, whatever. But I get in her car and it's so nice in it. It's the nicest Toyota Corolla I've ever been in. Maybe it just <laughs> felt nice. But I look at her in the rear view mirror and I'm like, can you make a left here and make a right here? Because the idea is, I know that the roads, like better. I grew up here, like make a left on Sepulveda, then go right or get on this freeway and go here. And I'm like barking orders at her. I'm like an, I'm like an asshole. And I realized it because I looked in the rear view mirror and I saw this woman's eyes and she was just so sweet. And here I am kind of barking orders because I know really good. You go from here to here to here to here, get from here to here, right? That's how we operate. And I looked at her, but in that moment, I felt so bad. Like I saw my grandma and her. And I looked in and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, this is your car. However you want to get there. I'm just trying to get to my daughter's soccer game. I've been gone all week. And she goes, ah, uh, don't worry about it. It's totally okay. She was so sweet. And then we, st- we, I forgot about the roads. And I was like, you know, how long have you been driving? And she goes, I, I, and she's kind of laughing. And she goes, I've only been driving for a couple of weeks. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you like it? And she goes, well, I'm just doing this to keep busy. Just keep myself, like give myself some energy, which was cool. And she's like, well, I got to tell you this. I absolutely hate sitting and I hate traffic. And when she said that, I'm like, this is probably the wrong like deal for you. <laughs> we're, in st- we're in dead stop traffic on the freeway. LA traffic. LA Friday night. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay? And, oh, and oh, by the way, she sits for a living. She's doing the two things she hates. But then she goes, and I kind of chuckle at that. And she goes, but here's the thing. Someone like you will get into my car and we'll have a interaction together. And then you'll leave and I'll take a piece of you with me the rest of my life. Guys, when I heard that, my eyes welled up in every way. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And oh, by the way, just so you guys know, I got out of that car. I gave her a big hug. I wanted to go see my daughter, but I I didn't want to let her go. Like that 45 minute drive or whatever it is was the most magical thing in the world. It was serendipitous moments. But this is something for people to get over. This is why we fucked this thing up and why we got to a place which we will talk about, Max. And maybe this pandemic is saying reset. Your failed ideas have gone to a pandemic. We treat each other poorly. We treat strangers poorly. We treat the climate and our planet poorly. Anybody wants to have a debate on that one, like bring it on, right? So time out, put masks on, rethink what you do. Don't come out of your room until you commit to doing things differently to where you cheat, treat strangers better, treat friends better, treat colleagues better, treat the planet better. What a story. No, but here's the real magic. If you want to break it down. The real magic is this. I thought about that. I don't think I realized the power of what she said to me. As we usually, when we come across something, usually deconstruct it later. And I was like, her job, she had to get me there at a certain time. And she got me there by directions, a process, a system, right? But it would have been easy to just be focused on that. And it would have been miserable and tense. And she would have got me there. Her job is to get me from here to here. That's what she gets paid for. Let's make like no confusion about that. But yet she didn't view her job that way. Guys, how did she view her job? She viewed her job as I'm going to sit here and make connections with people and hear their stories. And through that, take a piece of that to enrich my life and their life. And when you do that, the experience is better. Getting from here to here is a commodity. Hmm. I want to know why. And here's the deal, guys. I asked you guys, who were the people that you admired the most? You didn't tell me it was the people that could go from here to here. You're telling me about the people who had this magical ability to listen, to understand, and to be with you, to get you, to make you feel good. And yet if we focus on that, anybody, a monkey right now, AI, right? Your audience is probably in the business of audio technology. AI will automate this stuff. That car will self-drive. The doctor will self-automate the diagnosis. Salespeople, the solution will get... AI'd, if we can make that a verb. The engineering can, the customer support can, the operations can, the finance can. What's left? How we treat each other. And if we treat each other better, how will the results not be better? 
Yeah. So how do you get I there? think that was a perfect, perfect, perfect story to close it off because we are hitting the time limit. That was great. I, I like the I like the energy, and I, I think I really like the conclusion. And there's actually something that Max and I have talked a lot about privately as well as how how can we make the lives of everyone interacting with each other and doing their jobs in quotation marks just more positive. And I think you just uh, answered a huge part of it. Maybe one last question that we usually like to ask folks who, who we talked to here. You already mentioned uh, a Netflix uh, show to start off with, but if you had to recommend one book other than your own book, because we will reference that anyways, um, to people based on your story, what should they read? Like, what is something that is hitting the nerves right now? Okay, so I started to, when I began my book research, the research that went into my book that I wrote, I went to the business section, the business shelf on Amazon or at the bookstore, and I was looking at qualities of people like my guy, John, or the, you know, the people you admired. And I didn't find any meaningful content in the business section about these people, empathy, listening, understanding. I found those in other sections. And I started to get inspired by people who are understanding human the human experience differently, whether it was in the psychology section, I found a lot of beauty in the neuroscience sections mm -hmm. and then the convergence of psychology and the neurosciences. And a couple of people come to mind, which is Brene Brown explores the human experience yeah, and empathy. She is great, anything. I love her. But here's the book that did it for me. It's a parenting book by the most incredible human being who's a clinical psychologist, a professor at UCLA and a medical doctor the convergence of these things, and really kind of maybe a partially in his spare time a neuroscientist. His name is Dr. Dan Siegel, and his book is Parenting from the Inside Out. And he talks about how do you cultivate relationships with your kids and, and give them understanding and connect with them. And I read it and I called him up one day and I was like, Dan, love your book. You could change the title from Parenting from the Inside Out, change the parenting, you could call it Selling from the Inside Out. You could call it leading from the inside out. You could call it marketing from the inside out because it's all about how do we create understanding with each other. And it comes from both a practical storytelling perspective, you know, mm -hmm. perspective, but also a very clinical understanding how our nervous system and our neuro processes work. Right. From the inside out is the world's best business book. I like that statement. We and haven't heard that before. <laughs> well, that's a new recommendation. So I love it. We'll link it in the show notes. Ben, thank you so much for sharing the stories. We really enjoyed this. And uh, we are very happy to share it with everyone very soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe there's a, a version two. So uh, thanks, Ben. We really appreciated it. I think there were so many different stories and uh, we much appreciate your valuable time, even though we are not in a process-driven world. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I dug it too. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Ben.